This is Two Balls, One Basket with Jordan Alfasa. We'd like to introduce you to our sponsor here at the Playbook Sports Network, and that is Betalytics. Betalytics is a predictive sports betting software for player and game props. Whether you're new to betting or a seasoned vet, Betalytics will help you win more single bets and parlays and take back the advantage from the sports books. Visit betalytics.com, that's B E T A L Y T I C S.com to sign up, and when you do, use code PLAYBOOK for 25% off. Welcome back to another episode of the Two Balls, One Basket podcast, a podcast of the Playbook Sports Network. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at PlaybookSN and to visit our website, PlaybookSN.com. We are pumping content every single day. As always, I am your host, Jordan, and with me today is from Five Reason Sports, Greg Sylvander, Mr. Guts. What's up? I'm glad to be here. Um, I believe this is either my second or my third time on the show. If I remember correctly. Yeah, I think it's your second. Second time on the show. Uh, happy to be back. And for our visual audience, yes, I got the Guts hat on now. So, yes, I'm Mr. Guts for this episode for sure. What's up, what's up everybody? And what's up, Jordan? Thank you for having me. All right, Greg. So, we're just going to talk some heat because that's what most of our lives revolve around. This is true. I want to start off with something that's pretty important. Bam Adebayo's injury. Uh-huh. We saw today that apparently it could be an extended period of time. Have you heard anything? Because I know he he was out with it, then he played, then he was out with it, then he played, then he left. Yeah. Clearly nagging him. For sure. And so there's good news and bad news. The good news is is that it's not anything that's going to hamper him long term. At least unless something's re-aggravated, obviously. I'm not a fortune teller. But like as it stands now, as I understand it, as I've been told – it's not going to hamper him long term. But what this is, is very much a team that knows that they ain't going nowhere if Bam is not right. So they're going to be super careful about this. And if that means that like fans have to moan and groan through a several week stretch, although I'm totally speculating on that number, it could be several just days. It doesn't have to be weeks. Cause I think it's very much how his body is responding to pain tolerance and just as tender as you can be from you know, repeatedly getting hit or falling in the same area, as Spolstra said, how is it that a guy like Bam can fall on the same spot or get hit in the same spot multiple times? Well, he has. So they're just going to be careful. So like fans should just expect them to not have Bam out there, which is concerning for its own reasons. We could talk about that, but it's not something that's going to derail the season as I understand it today. So that's the good news. It's also good that we don't have very many games this week. Good call. <laughs> so that that's that's a plus. But yeah, I mean, I'll I'll be cautious with Bam. Listen, if I have to go three weeks without Bam to have Bam for the rest of the season, I'm fine with that because we Heck saw yeah. that. Who cares to hear an eight seed? We're going to the finals. Who cares? Right? They have a shot at least. So like, even for us to be objective, and I always got my Homer hat on, so it's all good. But like, they're gonna have a shot. You're right. So like, whether they're seven or they're six or they're eight. I think getting out that playing scenario would would be nice for all of our blood pressure, but um, but you're totally right. So they're going to be careful. They would be just as careful with Jimmy, but it just happens to be Bam. Unfortunately, the part that's compounding this, Jordan, is that Haywood Highsmith being out also. Yep. When you got Bam and Haywood out at the same time, like you talk about the teeth and the 
heart and the soul and the nails holding together the defense is those guys, you know what I'm saying? So now they got to kind of redefine how they're going to approach defense. Are they going to switch their schemes, look at it differently, et cetera. That's all the stuff being evaluated now. And also who's going to start because Haywood Highsmith started next to Orlando Robinson uh, in the last game. Will there be no Haywood Highsmith against Toronto tomorrow night? It's funny that we bring this up because in our playbook uh, heat cap spaces after one of the games, the the first Pacer game where we scored like madman, we're like, oh, you know, that's not us. That's not our brand of basketball. We have to get back to defense. Well, you know, maybe it might be time to make that our brand of basketball for a couple of weeks. Amen. Yeah. That and might it, be the only way we can keep up. You're damn right. And you so the fact that they're third or fourth last time I checked, I think they're third, but I don't quote me on that. It's third or fourth, though. In three-point shooting, God, that helps a lot. And they need Jimmy to be out there and be right. And um, and then the other part of this is like, it would be really damn good if Tyler Hero could get back on the court right about now. Just to it, like yeah, accentuate that cool. offense you're talking about, you know what I mean? Lean into that direction. If that's what they got to do for a, a, like a week or two weeks or whatever the hell the time is. Although I bet you Bam's playing by Christmas if I had to guess. A hundred percent. There's no chance he's missing a home game at Christmas. Amen. I don't give a damn. He'll play hurt and then he'll sit out another couple weeks. Right. And if that's what he has to do just to beat the Sixers, I'm in because I'd never rather be the Sixers. But yeah, that's um a situation where it'll be interesting because Hawkes has a damn good opportunity in front of him right now and he's already seizing every opportunity that they're putting in front of him yep. and now they're in this scenario where they basically have to go to him and say listen we don't want to change what you're doing but you got to actually we got more to put on your plate do more and like now we're going to see how he responds to that which is super fascinating I think he fans are all like really looking forward to the Jaime Hawkes story the rest of the year so I wanted your opinion real quick, and then we're going to get into Jaime. That was actually my next topic. So you mentioned about who will start. Do you think that Thomas Bryant has completely lost his rotation spot? Because it looks like, depending on the matchups, Kevin Love may start at the five, and then Orlando will be your backup. Which yeah. is not, not a bad idea, because Orlando looks like he's progressed. Every he has. Time. He uh, just does some bonehead stuff, but that comes with the maturity. You're right. You're right. And he's super bright and self-aware. Like when we interviewed him, the thing I, it was like absolutely striking to me how self-aware, articulate and like just absolutely put together in terms of like he knows what his role is, what he's supposed to be doing, what he's capable of, what his limitations are, where he needs to improve. Um, he's like the anti um Hassan Whiteside, for lack of a better <laughs> term. So anyway, I say that all to, to give credit to Orlando. I actually think Orlando will end up starting the majority of the time because Kevin is more situational. And I think they Spo knows he could lean into K-Love if he has to. Um, I don't think Bryant will initially be in the rotation, but you know how these things go, man. Like one foul trouble game and it's next man up. And here we go with, with him. But I think you're going to see smaller lineups, which could be fun as hell. Uh, a lot more Caleb Martin, which hopefully is fun because they need it to be. Uh, and then obviously just continuing to lean on Duncan. It's weird where they're going to have to maybe size down. Like I personally, Jordan, I'm interested in your perspective. Would you rather them try to play up to the size with a guy like Bryant or Spo go the opposite direction and throw caution to the wind and actually play smaller and maybe zone up to, to get through those stretches, but see how that works. What, what, would, what direction would you go? 
for me, it's situational. It's all matchup dependent. If you're going to play a team like uh, Minnesota, can't go small because they're too big and they also run. But if you're going to play a team like Indiana, yeah, why not? I'm not scared of Miles Turner. That okay, let him, get, let him get 14 rebounds. Yeah. Big deal. So it, it's it's got to be the matchup. I, I I prefer to lean into the zone because, what, for the last five years, we've shown that we run it better than most college programs. <laughs> this is damn true. <laughs> so, like, it's not a bad idea. You, Spolster knows what he's doing. We're not. There's no way we can lose from whichever option he chooses. You're right. What a luxury. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean – um, and I, so we don't veer too far from Jaime cause I, I want to stick to your, not that you've showed me a show sheet or that you even have one, but I want, I don't want to take over here, but can we oh, just for one, wh- that's what we do at five on the floor too. So, uh, great minds think alike as, as someone said to me earlier today, <laughs> um, the let's just stop for a minute. Like we were having this discussion on five on the floor today, this damn coach of the year situation where like Orlando or Minnesota is going to get coach of the year. I'm not even going to say the coaches names. I don't care. And they're deserving. They're good coaches. And like Spolster still hasn't won one. Like it's just ridiculous. Anyway, I'm gonna get off my soapbox now, but I just, the fact that that's just surprising team of the year award and no longer about who's the actual best coach that just sucks for that. The, the cachet that that award once came with. Anyway, I ran over. <laughs> That's funny. I actually had that exact conversation with an extremely drunk gentleman at the casino last Saturday. That exact. I'm not far off, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about Jaime. So we'll get in depth more as we go, but I want to know how the Heat just always draft spectacular players. That's a great damn question because there was a long time where I was told that the Heat couldn't draft and um, that like basically if they hadn't hit the Wade pick, everything would go in the opposite direction. And then they get late lottery picks and hit on Bam and hit on Tyler. And then when I say hit on Bam, I mean like hit that damn ball out of the park, like on some Gary Sheffield on the Marlins in the 90s. Like I'm taking it way back. Um, Like that's that kind of home run. And Jaime, like. I remember Tyler, when he first started playing, I made the comment that he was as polished, if not more polished offensively than even Dwayne was as a rookie, keeping that very specific, damn it. Very important. The raw athleticism by Dwayne, he could push over the top and go, you know, dunk it on, uh, you know, he's yoking on J.O. Like Tyler Hero ain't doing that, so he has to rely a little bit more on the skill stuff. Jaime is like this bridge of like, he's got some fast twitch hops happening. Like you could tell, like, in fact, um, I've heard through the grapevine per sources that there is a opportunity potentially to see him in the slam dunk contest. So like, that's how versatile dude is. You know what I mean? But we don't think of him like that, but he's got that in his bag yet. He's one of the more efficient three point shooters from the shots that he's, that he's getting. Uh, per Nikias Duncan on his show, which everyone follow Nikias and Steve Jones. What the hell are you doing if you don't? Uh, and listen to the dunker spot. His points per possession on post ups is unbelievable. It's numbers that are earth shattering, and I'm not going to recite them because who cares about the data? He's so good. Um, 
it, it's just I have not been as excited for a rookie in a long time because it's not just he's highly skilled or it's not just flashy plays. It's like he's also a, a heat guy, a grit guy, a glue guy, but maybe a player that like he spent his whole life trying to emulate Jimmy and now he gets to spend every day with Jimmy. Like it's a perfect scenario. So like, it's just all those, all that connective tissue around him makes for a really dope story that I like, I, I personally did not think of him as a heat pick until the morning of the draft. I got a text message that said, it's probably Jaime Jaquez. And um, so then I'm like going back and trying to do research. I'm like, we barely touched on him on our draft preview stuff. Uh, and that's credit to them for keeping the info away from me. <laughs> I really like the Jaime pick because I knew he went to four years of college. Yeah. I don't watch very much college basketball. I watch my college, FGCU. They suck. Shout out, you guys. Get your shit together. Ah. And But I watched him in the tournament every year he was there. And I always you know, picked- I graduated from Astero High School right down the street from FGCU. Oh, you did? Fun fact, yeah. Anyway, oh. let's continue. Well, I hope they're uh, better than FGCU. <laughs> we were as a basketball team anyway. <laughs> Anyway, the, the, four, the four years for college solidified it for me. And I saw a tweet on Twitter, I think maybe two days ago, and I was hysterically laughing. It's like, oh, you're going to lose Jimmy Butler to 50 games of injury? Draft the Mexican version of him. Right. They're the it's, same exact player. Ethan has said this, like, how do you extend the Jimmy window? You go get a Jimmy Butler clone. And I oh, hadn't well, even thought about that. that tweeted it. Yeah, yeah, it, maybe it was. Yeah, and it was so like he a, said it too because anything he tweets, he's gonna say like nine hundred times before he tweets <laughs> it. Uh, no, I'm joking. Um, he couldn't say his last name in under nine minutes. Uh, it's so true. Like, I think it will not only extend the Jimmy window, but like we've talked about, like the perfect four next to Bam. Well, maybe it ain't it ain't a four, but you talk about the perfect player next to Bam. To me, size four. I've seen nothing. That would indicate to me that Adebayo Hawkes Jr. is not a great pairing defensively and offensively. So, like, I'm all in on all of that. I I like it. I think I, I'm a Tyler guy. Like, I, I I'll trade him if the upgrade is worthwhile. Yeah. But I prefer to keep him because if you're asking you me a hero Hawkes Bam three going on, like, are you kidding? I'm me? in. I'm in. I'm sold. I. I feel bad that I had to, because I'll be dead ass honest with you. Like, and I've said this before, so I'm glad I documented it, but I'll do it again. Um, I would prefer, and I've always preferred the idea of winning the title with Jimmy, Tyler, and Bam. Like, that's like, you know, when they, like, that's, it's just meant to be. Like, I, I want it to be meant to be. And so this whole summer, when like I knew that, if they got Dame, it would have had to involve Tyler. And then there was like a brief moment where they, where there was like, there was a little bit of murmurs of maybe we could pull this off without Tyler. And it was complete misdirection. Um, in hindsight, I now see that, uh, like it, it felt dirty to have to put Tyler in those rumors. You just knew that it was that, that mechanically, that's how it was going to happen. But ultimately everything happens for a reason. I'm a firm believer of that. And so I want him back out there. I'm with you about the build. I just hope that what they do is flank Tyler with the right type of guy next to him in the backcourt so that he can focus on what he's good at. And like, don't put another undersized guard next to him. That's kind of, I guess, where I'm landing on what the next build looks like. Although let's not skip to the next build just yet. Let's finish this. 
Yeah. If only, yeah, if only Tyler could stop going to concert with Jack Harlow and come win me a championship. <laughs> Welcome to our newest sponsor at Playbook Sports, and that is Parlay Play. Parlay Play is a fast-growing daily fantasy sports platform with a specific focus on player prop parlays. When signing up, you immediately receive $5 free on Playbook. They offer weekly free-to-play contests where you can compete and track your picks against other users, paid contests where users can deposit their own money and enter contests to win up to 75 times their money per entry, as well as to play your normal daily fantasy sports. Each first-time depositor is given a first-time deposit match of up to $100 when you use code PLAYBOOK. That is code PLAYBOOK. All right, so the next play we're going to talk about is Duncan Robinson. And this one is very serious. I want to know, are you surprised by Duncan Robinson's play? And before I let you go, I'm going to go. little plot twist here. Boom. Because this was asked to me at the gym today, which gave me the idea. I'm not surprised by Duncan Robinson's play. And here's why. We've already seen it. This is true. He's done this before. We You're were so upset right. that he stopped doing it. It's expectations, isn't it? So now he's just back to what he was, which right. the player that deserved the contract. Except he's better. He's because he's doing all kinds of stuff that he didn't do before in terms of like shots in the paint, cutting to the basket, dribbling with the ball, being able to make moves and make reads, taking a couple dribbles and not losing it or like um, fouling extensively. These are very small details that he's really short up. I was walking in the tunnel in Charlotte. I was just Duncan and I walking down the tunnel and I turned to him and said, hey, Duncan. And he turned around and I said, you know, you've tripled your drives per game so far this year. And that was at the time. And he was like, I didn't know that exactly. No. Um, and I said, yeah, that's a pretty interesting stat. And he turned around to me and said, it's not by accident. And so I just think the go. fact that it's so intentional, uh, I, I was really tough on Duncan when he got that money. And I knew that Spo pounded the table and said, keep this guy. He is the engine of an offense. And, um, I went the other, I mean, y'all know I'm well-documented. I was like, trade Duncan, trade Duncan, put a pick with Duncan to get rid of him. Now I've canvassed the league, Jordan. I don't know that I would deal him. Like, obviously you could find the trade that everyone has a price. Right. But like, he's such a glue to what they're doing that like, I have landed in a place where Greg Sylvander does not want to trade Duncan Robinson. Yes. That's where I'm at today. He is a not. A, I'm not going to go as far as to say a lifer, but almost a lifer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought at the time, I, it didn't necessarily have to be with the Miami Heat, but Duncan deserved a nice size contract. He was yep. an elite shooter. He helped us get to the finals. I'm not going to say he brought us there, but he was instrumental in it. He he deserved the contract, the years, the amount that could have been argued, but now. He's playing like it. And I love that you brought up the drives because one game we were watching, I think he had like 23 points and hit two threes. Right. Like, I was like, how what? the hell does that happen? Yeah. How do, how do numbers work now? <laughs> yeah. Did so, they switch the scoring system in the NBA? <laughs> it's it's just really nice to see a professional basketball player not settle for You're just so right. You know, he's like, okay, 
I lost my starting spot to Max because Max could provide a little bit more offensively than I can. Well, let me go work on it. Just because you're a professional doesn't mean you can't get better. It's so badass. Do you know how like most of us think we got life all figured out and that guy's reached the pinnacle of his career. He is better at what he does than any any of us that are listening to this are at what we do. And yet he went in the lab and got better. Like that's super dope and commendable by him. Not every player does that and has the resilience to come back. Like most dudes, when they got benched, in that whole Max Struess situation where he, you know, Duncan was pushed back to the bench and then kind of almost like out of the rotation for a while, most guys would have checked out and been like, instead of I'm going to go back into the lab, let me look for my next situation where what I'm doing now will work for the next situation. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to look inward. Like that takes a special quality in my opinion. And so my opinion I was wrong about Duncan Robinson and like unfortunate. Well, fortunately for the heat lately, but unfortunately for me, Kyle Lowry may be the next guy that I have to apologize <laughs> for because he's been playing good the last couple of weeks. <laughs> well, the ne the next topic's not Kyle Lowry per se, but it's about the point guard position. Yeah. We're pretty thin there. Josh yeah. Richardson's not a point guard. Hell no. Tyler Hero can play point guard, but he's not a point guard either. And I don't technically think it's fair to make Agreed. him play point guard because Agreed. he's such a gifted score and it just takes away the best element of his game. It's like you don't tell Jimmy, go sit in the corner and shoot. You're so true. I, I could not agree with you more. So I what I'm going to ask is when we get to the deadline, do you think the Heat are going to look for a point guard? Or a backup big? Uh, point guard, for sure. And I think this is where they're going to have an interesting scenario. I do think the point guard is more likely to come out of the Western Conference. But again, like we're 20 games in. So I just want to caution everyone. Like no team is really putting all their chips on the table yet and having those meaningful conversations. So if you see like certain or certain places like start popping off with trade rumors, if it ain't Shams or Woj right now, just just take it with a grain of salt, even if it's from me, even if I'm like saying per source, as I've done when I get it from a legitimate source, I could be getting used right now. It's early um, by the deadline. I think a point guard will be the guy, but this is where we're, they're going to stand. Do you use the bloated $29 million expiring contract, $29.7 million expiring contract of Kyle Lowry to go dramatically reshape what you're doing or has Kyle played himself into a role where now you kind of like what he's providing you and you're not going to pay Caleb Martin long-term. So do you use the $6.8 million that he makes and try to upgrade? Maybe you take Thomas Bryant, Nico Jovich. I'm, I'm, that's a theoretical trade package to get to an $11 million ish player to get a real starting point guard. That's the question mark that they'll have to answer before the deadline. I do think that they're going to make an upgrade. And I do think that they're also going to have to think about what decision they're going to make with Caleb, because if he's just going to walk, I think they can flip him to a team that not only wants to just get an asset, but also that wants to win this season. So it could be an interesting little game there. And they're usually not the team that sells a player ever. That's not their style. But I think this may be one of the unique scenarios where because they're so deficient at guard, they may look to flip him. I See, I don't have a problem with Kyle Lowry and his play of late. 
because he is playing well. But for thirty million, twenty nine point seven, what thirty? We're gonna say percent of total cap. It's no good. Yeah, like it's just. I I talked to my friend Sydney, and I always complain about Kyle Lowry. She's like, but he has twelve points. I'd be like, he's making thirty million dollars. I can score seven points for thirty million dollars. I don't care. Like, yeah, we're the same height. My butt's not as big, but. I know. And lately, and I felt that same way early in the season. And there, especially when there's moments where he looks disengaged and he's not shooting like you're 45% from three, Kyle, shoot the damn ball when you're one of the best three point shooters in history. We need you to shoot. And yes, you're right. Career three pointers. He's like high as hell on the list. He may be in the top 10 or eight. eight. Oh yeah. You're probably right. And I mean, well, who am I to doubt you? So like, um, I just wish he would lean into that more. And if they get the Kyle that they've got in the last, let's say, 14 days or so, and today is December 5th, um, then that's a different story. And I don't know as, as if I'm as willing to just take his $29 million and just get anything. I'm using air no, quotes. We, like, we need you something gotta, that'll, that'll help. That really makes sense. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's the deal. And so when people are throwing shit in the trade machine, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse, so I won't do it again. Fuck. Um, Oh, perfect. Now I know when people are fucking around on the trade machine too much, like really ask yourself, are they going to disrupt what they have for this? And also like attach a pick to it. Or attach Nico Jovic to it. Like, really ask yourself that. And I think you'll find that the packages start to dwindle. But who knows what the hell will be available in February. Like, what's available now, conceptually, may completely flip in, you know, 90 days. That's the fun part. I I feel like the part that everybody forgets to realize is the picks. People on the trade machine, they're so easy to give these picks away. Pat Riley knows what he does with these picks. He either trades them for players that help. Or you end up with Jaime Jaquez. You're right. Like, no lose. It doesn't matter how late the pick is. Unless it's Precious Achua. Yeah. They should have took Maxi, but you know what? Like, that was one of the rare moments where they drafted for need, I feel like. And they've and they've almost drafted for need before. And whenever they do that, it doesn't work out. They should always just take BPA. BPA, baby. And um, that was not precious at that time. But they thought they had another guy, either if, if he wasn't the perfect four next to BAM, the non-BAM minutes were solved. And then obviously the Kyle transaction just transcended all of that thinking. And I like what you said about Caleb as well, because I've been an advocate that if we're not a top three seed, you have to trade Caleb because... we can't keep letting these players walk. I mean, I I don't want to argue with the franchise, but it it just, it doesn't sit right with me. Like, Oh, we nurtured this guy. We made him such a good player. We can get so much for him or something valuable. And then we don't. And he leaves, he takes 20 million somewhere else. He ends up sucking, but yeah, it's, it's a weird situation because like, it's all good if you let him walk as long as you got another dude in the waiting in the wings, right? And so, like, Duncan's reemergence made the Max Struess departure. Like, nobody even gives a shit that Max Struess left because Duncan's balling. But if Duncan was doing what he did, like, last year and struggling, you know, and shooting, like, 29% from three on nine attempts, like, we would all be like, oh, my God, why'd they let Max go? 
And we're almost kind of still groaning about the fact that Gabe's not here to just fortify the point guard position, even though he hasn't really played well in LA. Right. So it's like, um, they're walking a very fine line. Caleb is one of the unique scenarios where I think his Eastern conference finals, uh, showing really helped i hope he can regain enough value to be that type of asset for them because i know over the course of the summer they were offered functional stuff for caleb and they didn't want to do anything um in fact like we heard that he uh ethan heard that philly called and was like we'll give you pj tucker and a draft asset for caleb martin and and miami shut that down immediately you know what i mean they weren't interested but like so like other teams called too. And so I just, I hope that that is the case when they ramp back up in February, but you got to make sure you're fortified in with your prospects. You know what I mean? And Hawkes has helped that, but I think you need the Cole Swiders of the world, the Jamal Canes of the world. You need to hit one of those guys. Just one of them has to ascend. Maybe it's Orlando Robinson ascend. And then like you go back to the pool, bring a couple more of them in, build them up, let them go get their big mid-level contract from whatever team. And then you hope that you keep fortifying it. But if you don't have that farm system going really is what it is. uh, That's where it gets tricky. So I'm with you though. Caleb is the unique circumstance where um, shout out to hot take Harry because I've known him, uh, you know, as long as Twitter has been around, I agree with him. They probably should flip Caleb for a pick by the, by the deadline. <laughs> I also agree with Harry on there. All right. Trade talk. Everyone's favorite stuff. Yep. Now I got one topic left before we get out of here. And this one will be fun. Are the Miami heat NBA championship contenders. Based yes. off of roster, yes. not knowing that they can go at any point, you know, it doesn't matter the seed. Are they contenders in our eyes? I believe so. And I'll just say this. It has absolutely nothing to do with their record. It has nothing to do with um, how they've played, how they've looked. Sight unseen. I'll take Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Eric Spolstra. Sight unseen. So let's go. Like, whatever. Like, bring it on. I don't see anything in the East that makes me feel like, oh, that's too daunting. They can't overcome that. And so to me, if you can get out of your conference, you're a contender. Because, like, everyone always says, oh, Riley, winning or misery. It's all about championships. You got to win championships. That's total bullshit. You know what Riley's always after? Competing for championships. You know how hard it is to win one? You just want to be consistently competing for championships. And so if you can get out of your conference, you can compete. And I think Eric Spolstra, Jimmy, and Bam. And now I'm going to just sneak Kaimiakas into that and Duncan Robinson into that and Tyler Hero, who was balling like crazy before he got hurt. Like, they got a good shot. And so I don't give a shit what happens in the regular season. If they're in the postseason, to me – they're a threat in the East. Yeah. I mean, I saw Ethan's interview with Giannis. He said, when the Heat are fully healthy, are they a threat? And he goes, oh, my God, of course. Why are you even you asking the best me that? player in the world saying that. Yeah, exactly. If he if he thinks that, who the hell is anybody on Twitter, X, podcast, or et cetera, who is anybody to say differently? If Spolstra and Giannis, then everyone else has to shut up. <laughs> I also agree with you. I think the Heat are championship contenders. The only team in the East that I'm not going to say scares me, but you know, there's always got to be some worry 
is the Boston Celtics. And God, I'm shivering by saying that I fucking hate the Boston Celtics. Yeah. But you know, we just played Milwaukee without Jimmy and Tyler, and we should have won that game. That was Mm -hmm. a bullshit Spolster Tech, which should not have been given to him. That sealed the game. You're right. It looks like Bam finally is waking up for that Brooke Lopez. He's like, please put that tall, lanky, elephant white guy on me. Yeah, bring that drop coverage. Drop killer. Yep. Uh, I'm not afraid of Milwaukee because also the defensive stuff. You're right. It's Boston. And um, I would say that there's also some situational stuff. Early on in the show, you talked about like it was Thomas Bryant. You mentioned how things are matchup dependent. I think Miami's path matters a lot. Like it and and people probably will will go against me here, but like what I don't want them to do is like stack themselves up where they got to go what they did last year and repeat it because you're not going to do that two years in a row where you like barely escape the play in as an eight seed or really a nine seed and then you get all the way through the postseason. So set yourself up for success. I hope that they're at least in the top five in that four or five matchup at the least. That would be what I um the bare minimum is kind of what I'm hoping for. Just to make the path easier. That's kind of what I what I'm getting at. I agree. All right. That's all I got. Thank you for having me. This is always fun, man. We just like chop it up and next thing you know, 30 minutes have passed. That was fun, right? Yep. I'll be back. Tell everybody. Yep. Greg, you're always welcome. I said that last episode. Always welcome whenever you want. Definitely. And uh, I will make sure and uh, shout this out from the rooftop so that everybody (laughs) definitely can check it out. This is a great show. What y'all do um, at your network also and just... um, and the partnership that we've done with five reasons. I just want to let y'all know that like, I'm fully supportive. I'm in with playbook sports. Like that's what's up. So like uh, that y'all y'all are, I love the fact that you're growing what you're doing and, um, and people are picking up on it. And like, that's a damn, that's a good thing. So you should feel good about it. I appreciate it. That means a lot. Greg, is there anything you want to say before I let you go? Uh, just have the guts to continue to believe in the culture, folks. Peace out. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. All right, man. Peace out. Thanks for coming.